What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Kathy Wood, known as Aunt Kathy, the Redditor's favorite high-tech stock picker, her bets on crypto's future in America. We now have the judicial system and the legislative system getting involved in this topic, and I think it's great. And her timeline for returns. Right now, the SEC regulation and uncertainty around it is chasing digital asset business away from this country. Plus, in other high-tech stories, Google's employees pushing back on office mandates, and Tesla scoring Ford and now GM in its network of EV chargers. Tesla will be collecting lots and lots of revenue for many, 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 many years, probably forever. But first, the big story in Washington, former President Trump's indictment with CNBC's Eamon Javers. The real question is, what do Republican voters gain from any of this? It's Friday. We repeat that, it's Friday. June 9th, 2023, Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And yes, it is Friday, and here we go. The big news, the federal grand jury has now indicted former President Donald Trump on seven criminal charges in connection with the mishandling of more than 100 classified documents. Eamon Javers joins us with the latest. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Andrew. Word of the indictment first came last night from the former president himself on his social media site. Trump posted a direct-to-camera video denouncing the indictment shortly after that. But for all the attention this has gotten, we still don't know the full list of crimes that Trump is accused of allegedly committing here. According to a source, that's because the document has been filed under seal. It is possible that we will see that seal lifted uh, early this morning, if not later today. We do know that one of the charges against Trump is a violation of 18 U.S.C. 793, which is the Espionage Act. And Trump's attorney said on TV last night that two other statutes cited are 18 U.S.C. 1519, destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in federal investigation, and 18 U.S.C. 1512, tampering with a witness, victim, or informant. Now, Trump's attorney said there are seven counts in the indictment in all, and we are told he has received a summons to appear in U.S. District Court on June 13th at 3 p.m. The White House declined to comment uh, in the immediate aftermath of the news uh, and in the first hours after the news broke, uh, but a number of prominent conservatives took to social media to urge Republicans to rally around the former president. There's no precedent to look for here to try to figure out how this will affect Trump's 2024 presidential campaign. No other former president has ever faced federal charges before. And very few defeated presidents have run for the White House again after losing. And only one, Grover Cleveland, succeeded. So that means Trump is in entirely uncharted waters today, guys. Back over to you. 
We were just discussing sort of where this goes, how this changes the election to the degree that it does. Uh, you saw fundraising uh, taking place on the back of it uh, literally within minutes. I think there were emails uh, sent out from the Trump uh, campaign, something like 745, uh, which would have been, I think, about 20, 21 minutes after he, he received news right. of this. Um, how do you think it changes the dynamic in terms of fundraising right now, both for him and for others? Well, it's clear what the Trump campaign strategy was here, was to get out in front of this aggressively. Trump put it out himself, we, then we saw the video, then we saw the fundraising. All of that was clearly locked and loaded, ready to go in advance of, of getting this news from the Department of Justice. Uh, they're going to try to turn this into something that they can capitalize on. The question is, is whether that's going to play with Republican voters in the primary. You're seeing two lanes sort of start to emerge among Republican candidates for president, right? You've got uh, Mike Pence, the president's former vice president, who came out with his first campaign television ad uh, in which he was starkly critical uh, of the, the former president on January 6th. Using January 6th video, the former vice president has said that anybody who puts the Constitution above himself doesn't deserve to be president of the United States. We've seen Chris Christie out now on the campaign trail, the former New Jersey governor, uh, who is starkly critical of Donald Trump as well. And then you see a, a different lane of Republican candidates who are more or less supportive of Trump uh, in sort of vague terms, some of the statements that we saw last night. But uh, there's a group that's sort of trying to stay close to Trump, and then there's at least two candidates who are trying to make a more clear break but, from Trump. I mean, even, we'll just have even, to see. It's just unprecedented. Even DeSantis, though, he says, you know, it's a two-tiered justice system. You know, while, you know, Hunter skates and, and Hillary skated, uh, you know, they're going after this guy. But I guarantee you, DeSantis, in, it, it, the undertone is that this is too much baggage. What, what's it going to take yeah. at this point? This is, and the yeah. journal nails it. Earlier charges rallied Trump backers, but some rivals now say there's there's too much baggage. I mean, three strikes and, and yeah. he was. I don't know how many strikes there are. I mean, there are a couple of impeachments and so many other. You know, so are we talking strikes or nine lives? We're talking <laughs> nine lives, and I think we're talking yeah. two cats uh, yeah. at this point almost. But <laughs> e even normal. Yeah. Um, I mean, even his backers, some Republicans that, that maybe are like on the fence at this point at, at some point it's like the chaos must end i want to go back to having thanksgiving dinner where you know i, I you know we can invite everybody yeah. in the family that I, I think sooner or later that that might well, happen the real Amy. question the real question is what what do republican voters gain from any of this, right? In what way is it in their interest for any of this to have happened, right? This is a purely Donald Trump personal scandal uh, and alleged crime now, right? He, he was the one who decided to take these documents if he did. He is the one who decided not to turn them over when requested right. if he did. He is the one who decided to obstruct justice if he did. And Republican voters don't get anything out of any of that. None of that's about them, right? None of that's about an issue that they care about. He's not fighting for, uh, you know, the forgotten man in, in middle America, right? He, he's just fighting to have some documents for himself for really unknown and potentially bizarre purposes, right? So if you're, if you're a Republican primary voter and you look at this, you say, what does any of this have to do with me? Hey, Eamon, 17 months is not a long time, um, but that's how long it is from now until the election. Um, investigations like this, uh, prosecutions, tend to take a very long time. What, 17 months in the process of this, in, uh, of this proceeding, where, where does that put us? 
Well, it's federal, so maybe they can go a little bit faster here uh, in terms of the process. You know, we do know that, look, the first step is going to happen on Tuesday. That's the, the former president's going to have to appear before a magistrate judge uh, and be, be processed. Uh, and then we'll see, right? I mean, this is completely and entirely unprecedented. We've just never seen anything like this. One possibility that you could look at is the idea of the former president uh, cutting a deal here and settling and agreeing to some kind of lesser sentence in, in terms of uh, offering a plea deal. Uh, is that but likely? But if he pleads guilty, scenario? doesn't Would, that undo all of his other... do that? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Can he even do that in the political context, given the way he's laid out that this is a corrupt Department of Justice and he's an entirely innocent man? So, you know, he could short circuit this and it might be in his best interest to cut a deal and short circuit it, uh, but it might not be in his political interest. And so the question is, is this presidential campaign for real? And, and does the pres former president think he can be president again for real? Or is he going to look at his short-term and long-term legal interests and prioritize those. Amy Javers, thanks. General Motors uh, in the news this morning following Ford's lead in partnering with Tesla to use its charging network in North America under the deal. GM's electrical vehicles will gain access to 12,000 of Tesla's fast chargers starting next year. GM will also begin installing the charging port used by Tesla. And it'll begin in uh, 2025. Uh, GM CEO Mary Barra uh, spoke to Phil LeBeau on Fast Money about the cost savings. This uh, arrangement alone, this collaboration that we're doing, nearly doubles the amount of chargers that uh, our GM customers will have access to. And frankly, we think we can save up to $400 million in the original three-quarter of a billion dollars that we allocated to this because we've been able to do it faster and more effectively. We'll talk more about this deal with longtime Tesla bull, Kathy Wood. They had to swallow Easter. hard to do that. Swallow GM hard. Me. GM. I mean, if you listen to Mary Barra, she did a Spaces yesterday, a Twitter Spaces with Elon Musk. One of the more awkward um, conversations you've ever heard between the leader of a, a legacy um, automobile maker and Elon Musk, where she is effectu effectively, she probably wouldn't, wouldn't want to put it this way, capitulating uh, to the idea that she's going to actually partner with Tesla, a company that for a very long time she used to not right. even be able to, you know, use in a sentence. Right. And it was, it's remarkable because he's now built this infrastructure right. around the country. Both Ford and General Motors are now effectively going to be subsidizing Tesla. I mean, that long term, if you really think about the implication of what's happening here, they will be collect, Tesla will be collecting lots and lots of revenue for many, 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 many years, probably forever. And that will allow Elon Musk to offer Tesla vehicles for lower prices, uh, long term, probably lower prices than GM or Ford ever could. There's a there's a little bit of like a Netflix thing going on here. If you remember when the media companies uh, sort of it was like a deal with the devil. They started to frenemies, right? right? They, like, we uh, need you. So let's and they started to uh, sell their product uh, for cash early, early on. To Netflix, so it's gonna it, it's Phil something. Abo, something. Philabo asked her about that yesterday on Fast Money. I was listening, and he just pointed out that she hadn't tweeted since October that she had pulled all GM advertising off of Twitter. Right. And then she was doing this Twitter Spaces yesterday. 
Well, we've been on Twitter, especially for our customers, uh, as they have questions, as they have comments, as they have issues. So we've been on Twitter all along. You know, we're in the uh, process right now of reimagining marketing. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's known that we are uh, in the market to bring in a new head of marketing. And I, so I think that that's a good question and will be one of my first questions when this new person joins, uh, joins the GM team. And uh, she didn't answer it very directly, but it's yeah. kind of a. It's a this is a huge deal. Well, and by the way, a huge thing for Elon Musk. Well, that's what I mean. mean you got to hand it to him. He could say, he could, he, you could say, no, you're not allowed to use it. So try selling your cars where you right. can't charge them anywhere. But it's even smarter to do it this way. It's like okay, Building infrastructure. It's yeah, like everybody's all right. You can, it, it's point. like a gas station. You're not going to just sell to Chevys or something. But um, it should be sort of. Opens, you know, but it's like also open, by the way, it's uh, an advertisement for Tesla. An, every time you, every time you pull up to right. a Tesla uh, charging station, I mean, th to think about just the long-term implications of getting on this as a standard. The good news is, in addition to that, by the way, he's doing some of this at cost, not when you go to charge, but in terms of the um, the, the plugs and, and whatnot that actually have to oh, get sold and converters and things to GM and to Ford. And he and also to his credit, because I thought actually maybe they wouldn't do it this way. You will not be, you know, they're not going to advantage a Tesla car over a GM car, even technologically. So right now there's a billing issue, which is it's a lot easier, obviously, if you're a Tesla vehicle, you just plug in. I don't even in know what's electric. It's, I, and you pay. I, yesterday I passed. Without having I, to know. I think it, was, it wasn't a real Porsche. It wasn't like a 911, but it was like a uh, Cayman. You know, those little yeah. Caymans are like yeah. a, not quite a 911, but it looks kind of like a 911. Yeah. And it was at a charging site. I didn't even know they made an electric. Then I also saw, you know, Kia is not Hyundai, but they're similar. Do you know there's a 546 horsepower Kia available? Really? A five, and I also saw a beautiful sedan. What was that? And I looked like, what? And it was a Kia. And it was a Kia. Love a Kia. 540. Well, you, know you like, like the uh, Telluride. Like tell you I like think it's a beautiful You think car. it because you're a wannabe Range Rover person that doesn't want to pay the Range Rover premium. No, I just think it's You a told me you vehicle. thought it looked like a Range Rover. Sort of. I think the front grille has a little bit of a Range Rover thing there going on. There you go, on. for half the price. I don't even think about it like okay. that. It's, it, have you been in one? It's great. No. It's a winner. Kia's got it going. So, does, right. so does Hyundai. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Kathy Wood, the star stock-picking investor behind ARK Invest, why she's still making her famous bets on crypto and Tesla and other high-tech, high-risk innovations, and why her Reddit, retail, and Wall Street acolytes love her for it. What the internet financial system is doing is building in the layer that uh, the architects of the internet uh, did not include in the early days of the internet as we were building it out in the 90s. And that is the financial layer. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, 
The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. It's been a big week for crypto. On Monday, the Securities and Exchange Commission sued the world's largest crypto exchange, Binance. And on Tuesday, the SEC sued America's only publicly listed crypto exchange, Coinbase. The issue, according to regulators, is registration of digital assets, or lack thereof. SEC Chair Gary Gensler shared his reasoning on CNBC Tuesday. I think there's been clarity for years The investing public has the benefit of the U.S. securities laws. Crypto should be no different. And these platforms, these intermediaries uh, need to come into compliance and protect the investing public. We don't need more uh, digital currency. We already have digital currency. It's called the U.S. dollar. It's called the euro. It's called the yen. They're all digital right now. On Wednesday, also on CNBC, right on Squawk Box, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong snapped back, arguing that the SEC changed its mind about his company, and now he's ready to take them to court to get clarity. It's a new technology that can be used to update all kinds of financial services, and we don't need the government picking and choosing our technology winners. Let's let the market decide that. They allowed us to become a public company understanding the S1, right? And so I feel like that's our moment to be totally transparent with them, show them everything about our business and how it operates. And so it's not great to have a regulator sort of come back later and say, actually, we changed our mind. Amid all this, one of Wall Street's most famous tech and crypto bulls, Kathy Wood, upped her fund's stake in Coinbase. Between a few of the funds in her ARK portfolio, she bought over 419,000 shares of Coinbase. It's yet another big bet from the stock picker who stole retail and Reddit trader hearts back in the throes of the pandemic. She got a lot of cute nicknames on those forums then. Kathy Wood bet big on innovative tech. Tesla is by far her biggest holding, and she's not backing down when it comes to crypto. Here's Andrew. Joining us right now is ARK Invest CIO and CEO Kathy Wood. Tesla is, of course, the top holding of the ARK Innovation ETF. Kathy, uh, you know, we were discussing this just in the last hour. It's, it's a remarkable thing to, I was listening to Spaces yesterday, you know, Twitter Spaces, Elon Musk uh, with, with Mary Barra, someone who has, you know, uh, it has been very hard for her to even utter the, the words Tesla over the years. Uh, and here is this partnership um, what does it mean, do you think, long term, both for Tesla, but also for the legacy uh, auto automakers, GM and Ford? Well, I think it's great for America and our transition to uh, the electric future, as uh, as Elon said. Uh, and I do think it increases the probability that our forecast of 60 million electric vehicle sales by 27, uh, it has increased the probability that that is right. We had uh, globally 7.7 electric vehicles sold around the world last year, uh, going to 60 million and is going to completely dominate uh, the industry. And I think having both General Motors and Ford on this charging network, which is the big gating factor, range anxiety. Right. Uh, gets us there that much faster. So, but, so I think there's two questions. Some people would say, 
great long term, short term and long term for Ford and GM. Everybody's a winner in this. There are others that are concerned that say maybe great for, for Ford and GM short term. I think there's almost no question about that. The question is what happens long term if, if effectively two of the largest American um, uh, automakers are effectively driving sales effectively to Tesla, both in terms of uh, the electric power piece of it and effectively the advertisement that is a Tesla, Tesla charging station, what that means long term in terms of Elon Musk's ability to sell more vehicles, potentially even at cheaper prices. You know, this this is, reminds me of what happens uh, with most technologies that proliferate and scale. Uh, there's a standard, uh, and here we have a charging standard. Charging uh, s- solves uh, the range anxiety problem. And what's also very interesting about this is it does help Tesla uh, underwrite uh, the the charging uh, station expense because if you look at Tesla's sales they are highly concentrated on the coasts uh, now uh, it's going to make a lot se- a lot more sense for Tesla to roll out charging stations that much faster throughout the country. Right. How much of their revenue and profits do you now imagine over time will be a function of the infrastructure part of their business versus the automobile manufacturing part of their business? Well, actually, we think another revenue source is going to be much bigger. And of course, that's the autonomous taxi platform. Uh, And we think it's going to uh, drive the valuation because the margins associated with autonomous uh, are going to be SaaS-like. So instead of electric vehicle uh, gross margins in the 25 to 30 percent range, uh, we expect uh, autonomous, the platform strategy, to deliver uh, 80%, 90% margin. So the combined will be north of 50%. In terms of the, of, of, of the grid, though, that they're building and, and, and these charging stations, you, you think that's a small part of the business? And the services that they may be able to layer on at some of those stations? Uh, we have not counted. So we are in print at $2,000. Uh, in 2027, and we have not counted uh, the possible revenue sources associated with this strategy. And we haven't even done much in the uh, energy storage business uh, away from electric electric vehicles, because we think the most valuable part of the business will be the scaling of vehicles in, in to create this autonomous taxi platform. Right. Kathy, the other big news of the week, uh, and there are two parts of it. One included you in it. Uh, but uh, was the SEC uh, filing a civil case against Coinbase? On the back of that, uh, you picked up some more shares of Coinbase. What, what's your thesis? And are you effectively betting against the government? No, we're a- actually betting on the checks and balances inherent in our government. So you've got Gary Gensler, who's appointed by the executive branch, uh, has to be ratified by the Senate. But we now have the judicial system and the legislative system uh, studying and getting involved in this topic. And I think it's great. Uh, I think we're going to end up in the right place right now. uh, The SEC regulation and uncertainty around it is chasing uh, digital asset business away from this country. And uh, I think I think the legislative branch understands it. This will be an election year issue. 
And I think the judicial branch is is very interesting in terms of, you know, the Voyager Binance case. Uh, uh, you know, the judge basically said, SEC, you what are you doing? You can't prevent the sale of assets from this company to this company. The Grayscale case uh, seems very logically going Grayscale's way. Uh, so hopefully we get a Bitcoin ETF. Right. And uh, even the Ripple case, uh, uh, Gensler did not mention or the SEC did not mention Ripple among the securities in these suits. So, so that's very interesting as well. But, Kathy, is your investment thesis when it comes to Coinbase based on the idea that you think the judiciary will rein in the SEC? Um, I think that uh, between the judicial process uh, and the legislative process and perhaps uh, an election year, I think this is an election year issue. Uh, that they will weigh in in a way uh, that gives us much more clarity in terms of regulation and the pathway to registration, which is one of the things that Brian Armstrong has been saying, okay, tell us how to do it. And, you know, he's just been facing a stone wall. So let's get some of these answers. Let's get clarity. The market hates uncertainty. And I think in the next year, we'll get a lot more certainty. Kathy, though, what do you think, I mean, when you look at the upside downside on Coinbase in terms of what this suit could mean to the extent they were to lose this case, how much do you think they, they could lose? This is going to go to the courts and be in the courts for years and years. Uh, if this needs to go to the Supreme Court, Brian Armstrong has said uh, it will go to the Supreme Court. And we think it is that important. Meanwhile, we have Binance. Uh, which is in, uh, in in much more trouble from the SEC's point of view uh, than Coinbase is. Uh, Coinbase uh, and and Binance uh, are, are um, the suit is about re- uh, securities uh, on their exchange and not being registered and and that sort of thing. And uh, but Binance now is being accused by the SEC of some FTX-like behavior, uh, which is very interesting. And I see this morning that Binance US has stopped uh, has stopped f- uh, fiat deposits, which uh, from a market share point of view uh, is a benefit to Coinbase. Um, we hope this all gets settled in the next year. Uh, and and we do hope that uh, Binance is, uh, has has uh, not done some of these things and uh, and that the crypto and uh, we're starting to use the words digital assets as opposed to crypto because that's more understandable as um, parents and grandparents see their children actually buying digital assets uh, away from cryptocurrencies in some of their favorite games. Gary Gensler says dollars are digital. I mean, you know, they're conflating everything now. Okay. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. He said he said, because most dollars aren't in circulation and they're on, on uh, you know, they're, they're just entries that they're digital. I don't, I don't know where that got the conversation, but. One thing I think will help clarify things, and I think as it go, this goes through the legislative process, this is more of what you'll hear. Uh, what the Internet financial system is doing, and that's what the crypto ecosystem is building in the layer that uh, the architects of the internet uh, did not include in the early days of the internet as we were building it out in the 90s. Uh, And that is the financial layer. Instead, what do we have today? The traditional financial system for a merchant to get a good from his, uh, his store online website to a customer, there are nine steps. Two of them are the merchant and consumer. 
Seven are toll takers, anywhere from two and a half to four percent. The Internet will make the, the financial system so much more efficient. And I think as as individuals uh, begin to understand that, it will become much more acceptable and and will delight the consumer. And that's what Ka- I always want. Let me ask you a separate question um, just on the currencies themselves. Um, Bitcoin, by the way, trading right now at $26,566. We've had many a conversation about uh, your expectations about the value of Bitcoin. $500,000, I believe, was uh, the last uh, number that you had put out in terms of where you thought this could go. I I think you thought that was several years away. Uh, Do you want to update us on where you think Bitcoin is? Does that change under this dynamic? So um, in our Big Ideas 2023, it's on our website, uh, arc-invest.com, uh, you'll find our, uh, our, our digital asset forecast. So um, we, we expect uh, the Bitcoin price, our base case is 600,000 plus. Our bull case is more than $1 million. And I think uh, as time goes on- What's the timeline for that, Kathy? 2030, 2030. 2030. Uh, 2030. And, uh, you know, this is a very big idea. This is the first global, private, no government oversight, uh, uh, digital, rules-based monetary system. And there's a lot of discipline here in the mathematical metering to get to that. But would you agree, Kathy, in fairness, and and you've been very bullish, obviously, in Bitcoin for quite some time, and I think we've had conversations over the years where you had much higher expectations about where Bitcoin would be today. I mean, if we went back and looked you know, two or three years ago, conversations, you would have talked about Bitcoin being much higher, I imagine, than $26,000, right? Are you disappointed in where things are? And, and is that changed? Oh, or, in fact, or something really important happened very recently during the regional bank crisis. If you will notice, the regional bank stocks were imploding and Bitcoin went from 19000 up to roughly 30000 I got to. So what was that? That was a flight to safety. A flight to safety. Think about that. And we think all of innovation is going to be a flight to safety. We talked about Tesla before. Flight to safety. Accelerate uh, the, the movement onto these this charging platform. Make it a national standard. Let's all do this together. Flight to safety. Kathy, I want to thank you, you uh, remember, for joining us this morning. You remember Have a great weekend. Tom Lee. Tom Lee, we were at 4000 on Bitcoin. Yep. And he said, it's going back to twenty. And we wondered, why would you ruin your reputation playing around with a forecast of twenty grand on Bitcoin? Look, some people have been right, some people but there were people at sixty thousand. It's twenty six thousand five hundred right. though. And go and look at what all the people at sixty thousand who were trying to get people I, in I, this. I thing. got I got interested at, at eight thousand and as low as four thousand. Twenty six thousand, I remember having a conversation saying, I don't know if it's a buy at twenty six five. Okay. We'll see. It, it all, all right. It's on, just, it all I just on don't think it. it's been the best the best performing asset across all asset classes in the last fifteen years. Bar none. Next on Squawk Pod, the new, new workplace at home, at the office. It's the question of the decade. Why are you looking at me? Because I, I want you to weigh in. Because you know I, I totally I know, disagree. I know. I I, got, I well, that's what you're supposed to do. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Hugh. Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross, working along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan on a Friday morning. Google employees pushing back against uh, the mandate that staffers spend at least three days per week uh, in the office. In a statement released by Alphabet's workers union, software engineer Chris Schmidt said, uh, workers' professionalism had been degraded or disregarded. I kind of think it's been degraded. Uh, in favor of ambiguous attendance practices tied to performance evaluations. He said a one-size-fits-all policy ignores workers' life circumstances. He wants to do that. He also said employees deserve a voice in shaping return-to-office policies. That's kind of crazy. Good God. Can't make us And in. a participation award just for, you know, just for being involved, I think, don't look, they? I, I, look, I understand that if you want to keep people, you may have to offer flexible time to do them, but... I also think as an employer, you should be able to say, here's the, here's the deal. You want me to pay you? You've got to show up. Yeah. I agree. I'm looking at you. Why are you looking at me? Because I, I want you to weigh in. I want you to weigh in. Because you know I, I totally I know, disagree. I know. I think I, got, I well, that's what you're I supposed to do. I completely disagree. With, don't just sit with, there. I completely disagree. I think, we're not having I think we're living in a whole new universe. <laughs> I think if we've learned nothing, that, that work can't be done in other places. No, it can. I think it's completely. It can, but if the boss tells you to come in, you've got to come in. Like, I, I, think you, it's, I think there's a recognition that, yeah, you can't you do have to listen. I mean, at some point, you have to listen to the boss. But right. I think as we've learned... By the way, as, you, as we've learned at, at CNN and Warner Brothers and other companies, you may think you're the boss. Whoever thinks they're the boss is the boss to some degree. But at some point, you also, and this goes to unions and staffs, you know, if the whole place doesn't want to do what you're doing, you know, the inmates at some level do run the <laughs> asylum. No, no. And you have to I, figure, I out, you have, you have to figure out a way point. to persuade the, the team uh, of your view. It's not, I mean, and look, one way to do that would just be to say, okay, you all don't work here, but if you all don't work here, then we also don't have a company. So sure. there's, there's a balance I, I, I in that. And I think what's happening here culturally is you have a whole bunch of companies who are doing it sort of in a, in a way that is not uh, bringing people with them. How about that? Oh, okay, I'll are, give you that, but I think it's also a reflection of a strong job. You ever, you ever heard a when, word when called... When and if employment goes up, I think... That you know we've been word, saying that for the last year you know and a half. Word, yeah. Do you know but the I word... Do, but I do think no. when it happens... Do you know the word PATCO? You familiar with PATCO? Do you know what that is? You no, have I any? Don't. No. 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 Completely ignorant to whatever you're about to say. What is it? Oh, just a little uh, air traffic controllers uh, union oh. and Ronald Reagan fired all right. of them, ushered in 30 years of prosperity based on not being okay. pushed around by, well, by then, spoiled. Well, you're not going to have you the can't coddle. in on something like this. No, but you, you can't. You know, it's a buyer's right. market right now with, with right. employees. We can't right. get enough employees. So, so they can, so, well, it's just, this well, is the reality it'll be, of back, the, it'll be back when people will be right. I'm happy so to have a, a, you're, a good you're job. On this, you're on the side of the people. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It's a reflection of a strong job market. It's the dignity of work. Show up. And that's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Thanks for showing up for us. 
Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the best of our three-hour TV show right in your ears, follow Squawk Pod on your favorite platform. Let us know what you think. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to rate or review this podcast that helps other listeners discover Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.